Greetings in Christ Jesus, and welcome once again to the Twin Steeples podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Joe Nauman, joined again today by Pastor Neil Radical. Twin Steeples is a production of Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church here in Mankato, Minnesota, whose main goals are to share God's saving word and to communicate the ongoing activity in Christ's kingdom here at Emmanuel. How are you this morning, Pastor? Doing very well. How are you doing? I'm doing well as, as well. Uh, <laughs> would you like to start us with a devotion today? Sure. As we continue on in this season of the resurrection, of course, we always are in the Easter season, but we're looking at a number of different scriptures that speak to the resurrection itself. We know that Jesus was asked a lot of different questions about the resurrection, and one of those is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 23 through 28. The same day, the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies, having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were with us seven brothers. The first died after he had married, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third, even to the seventh. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her. It seems like maybe a, a weird spot to stop the conversation here because Jesus definitely has a response. But you understand the question comes from a lack of belief. The Sadducees was a group of Pharisees, a, a division, you might say a different denomination from the Pharisees. And the Sadducees believed that there, as verse 23 says, there was no resurrection. It's kind of amazing to think that. So they believed in the Torah. They believed in the Old Testament books of the law, yet they denied that there was a resurrection. And so you often had these two groups, the Pharisees and Sadducees, debating with one another and upset with one another. And so you see, like the Pharisees, the Sadducees were also after Jesus with his teachings. And so... Jesus speaks to this point of the resurrection, and it's really interesting that they were setting this trap for Jesus, and yet he speaks to them truth. So they were getting caught up in their logic and their reason, and he really sets them free from that. One of the reasons maybe they didn't believe in the resurrection is because this Levitical Moses, law of Moses that God had given Moses, that that whole idea that, okay, so the law was if, if a brother's wife died in those days, you're supposed to take your brother's wife to be your own, to care for her, provide for her, have children with her. And now they have the situation where you have seven brothers all dying in order and then the wife being each one of these brothers' wives. And none of them had children. So it's interesting. Sometimes people think that this section, uh, this is a one that they made up just to trap Jesus. And I'm wondering if that's even true or not. There was a woman that I knew in Fond du Lac that had seven husbands as well. Each one of them died and not all brothers, but it's interesting that, you know, this, this can happen. And I don't believe she had children with any of them. So it's interesting to think about how they were trying to trap Jesus. But his response, as you look further into the gospel, Matthew 22, is that he basically says, you're mistaken because you don't know the scriptures. Not only about the resurrection of the dead, but what will be like in the resurrection of the dead too. And this is a really discouraging thing and depressing thing at times that people, when they hear this, is that Jesus says that in the resurrection, there will be, people will not be given in marriage like they are today. They'll be like the angels. Not that we become angels, but the idea is that we'll be like the angels and that the angels aren't married in heaven and neither will we be. 
our marriage is to Christ, our Savior. We are his bride. He is our bridegroom. And that is what we're looking forward to for eternity, being in our heavenly glory with our Savior and all other believers. So the Sadducees were stumbling this point of how could someone be married in heaven? And Jesus' response to them is, you're trying to trap me in this, but you don't actually know what scripture is saying about heaven. And so he's trying to free their mind from this understanding. He's trying to free them to understand that this is not what you should be looking forward to when it comes to heaven. You should be looking forward to being with your savior, being with your Lord and how that is to be a wonderful thing to look forward to because it'll be for eternity. It'll be because he's forgiven you your sins and brought you home to be with your God and savior forever. A lot of people get sad by that. I could be sad, like, oh, I'm not going to be married to my wife in heaven. Well, the point is that marriage here on earth, as God had given to Adam and Eve in the garden, was meant to be that partnership and that that whole idea of that running with that partner, running the race of faith so that we can get to heaven. So I look at my earthly marriage as running with Aaron to get to heaven forever so that that idea is encouraging each other in our faith. Once we get to heaven, that earthly race will be over and we can enjoy heaven together with all other believers. And so we've, we've crossed that finish line at that point in time. So I know I've done a couple different tangents here, but you can see the, the, the trouble. We can relate to the Sadducees. We can understand that they were trapped in their logic and in that logic, false logic, they were trying to trap Jesus. And he was ultimately setting them free from that argument because they needed to remember what scripture said about what God's promise is that we will be with him forever in heaven. That's the focus. That's the goal. And that's what we can have confidence in, in Christ's resurrection. Pastor Nauman, I'd like to hear your thoughts and comments. And hopefully I wasn't too many tangents there, but there's a lot that could be said here. I'd like to hear your thoughts, please. Well, I think it's a, it's a, the trap that the Sadducees set is, uh, you know, they thought they had Jesus here. And again and again, throughout the New Testament, that was their goal was to try to trip Jesus up and get him to disagree with Moses. But I think what's most important to keep in mind is, as John writes in his his gospel, the law came through Moses, but grace and peace uh, come to us through uh, Jesus Christ. And uh, it's it's Jesus is the greater Moses. You know, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they put all their hope and stock and, and uh, eternal welfare in the, the work and person of Moses. And because of that, many of them sadly likely perish uh, eternally in hell. But when we put our hope and work and trust in the person of Jesus Christ, well, that's when uh, uh, his grace comes to us uh, through his work. So, you know, I think that's, that's, they tried to get him to disagree with Moses, but really what Jesus said is, you know, he did not come to abolish the law of Moses. He came to fulfill the law of Moses. And so in doing that, uh, he perfectly won salvation for us. And thank God for that. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for reminding us again what our eternal goal and focus is. And that's to spend eternal life with you forever in heaven. We give thanks for your gospel that is meant for all, that whether it be our spouse or our children or our loved ones or our friends or our neighbors or our coworkers, you desire all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth of the resurrection and the life. Lord, you are the way, the truth, and the life. Help us to cling to your word. Do not get caught up in our logical struggles that we might have about what heaven will be like, but help us to remember what your word has set us free from the curse of the law and death itself. For this, we rejoice, Lord, and we continue to give thanks for all you've promised through your holy word.
bless us in this joy today as well. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, a couple of announcements uh, this week. Uh, everything we got going on here in Emmanuel uh, this evening. Today is April 21st, 2021. Uh, this evening we will continue our Wednesday evening Bible class. Uh, Pastor has been going through the What We Believe section. Um, quite, heard quite a few positive comments back on that stuff. Any Anything you'd like to add to that, Pastor? Yeah, I just want to kind of, it's a little bit different from a normal Bible class because what we're doing is basically going through what we have for content that we want to put on the website. So for example, just a quick recap from last week, we went through the basically the slides, if you will, on what our website will be on abortion in the beginning of life. So we had some great discussion on that, some study. We talked about sexuality when it comes to what are we going to put on our website when it comes to sexuality, whether it be heterosexual things or homosexual things, transgender things, what kind of things we want to put out there to let our members and, and those that are looking in know what we believe on these things. And then ultimately, one of the most important ones, then what do we say about the Bible, the inerrancy, the how do we continue to frame that as far as what we believe about the authority of God's word? So that's what we spent our time last week talking about. And so tonight, our plan would be to go through two or three more of those and just do that study of those topics and what scripture says and make sure that's as clear as possible to those that would be looking into the what, our, what we believe here at Emmanuel or members who might be struggling with a particular topic how they can look there and also refresh on what we believe and teach based on God's word here. So um, I'm looking forward to this Bible study kind of pushing us to finish this website so that it's very clear what we believe and teach to all that would investigate just from a website perspective, kind of like our, a lot of people talk about the church website being kind of like a welcome mat to the congregation. Well, it can say a lot about the congregation and what they believe. We probably need a pretty big mat for all that. A uh, couple of uh, recap items for this past week. Uh, this past Sunday was confirmation. Uh, took place on uh, Sunday morning this last week. We had 11 confirmands present there. Uh, we also have two others who will be having private services uh, last week and this week due to different uh, circumstances in their life. Uh, but so we have confirmation class of 2021 is 13 altogether. And we thank the Lord for the blessing they have been to us and the blessings that they have received through us here at Emmanuel. Uh, uh, April 19th on Monday, we had a voters meeting, uh, a couple different items on our agenda there. There was a tuition proposal. So Principal Heinze took a deep dive into the, uh, looking at the tuition of uh, uh, Emmanuel and, and kind of looked at the different proportions of how much people were paying on the grade school and high school level. And the voters took no action on that, but they're digesting some of that material and hope to uh, uh, decide how to go forward with that soon. Uh, the annual report uh, for 2020 uh, was released in hard copy. Uh, we're planning on emailing uh, out links to that this week, and there's also hard copies available uh, here at church as well. Uh, the deacons presented an updated COVID policy. Nothing really too much has changed from our regular practice, but uh, if you if you have time and interested in that, please feel free to take a look at that as well. Um, the Sanctuary Improvement Committee uh, produ uh, produced a bit of a rec couple recommendations for the congregation, so they're looking at uh, uh, doing a couple things in the sanctuary to improve the, the look and the aesthetics of the, the building there. So um, they're planning on a congregational meeting coming up soon for that. No date has been set yet, but please keep an eye out for that as well. Uh, Board of Property reported that the check valve uh, that caused us so many problems last summer 
the, the gym flooding last year, the check valve has been installed and fixed. And so uh, thank you to those uh, uh, on the board of the property for, for getting that figured out. And also the, the water heater that had been broken in the uh, down there uh, is, is almost installed at this point as well. Um, as you likely heard, uh, Kevin Schrader has accepted the call to teach at the high school level here at Emmanuel. Uh, he and Rebecca are planning on moving up this summer, and so we, we pray for them and uh, look forward to their joining us in the ministry here at Emmanuel. Uh, you likely uh, heard as well that Mr. Eric Libby, after initially indicating an acceptance of his call, has since returned the call. Um, last night, or excuse me, Monday night, nothing took place on that uh, point. But the meeting did recess uh, for the purpose of uh, meeting back on May 3rd, which so there'll be another May, voters meeting on Monday, May 3rd at 7 p.m. And at that point, uh, the goal of the Board of Ed is to extend a call for that high school position. Uh, so we'll be meeting with the faculty more and with the Board of Ed to figure out the needs for that call and pray the Lord would bless uh, the work of the different boards and faculty and, and uh members here at Emmanuel. Uh, also coming up this summer, I want to highlight for you, uh, this is the 50th anniversary this year of the church fire uh, on July 4th, uh, 1971. The church was struck by lightning and uh, the church building itself uh, burned. Uh, so this summer we'll be remembering that important event in our congregation's uh, history. And we uh, uh, Look forward to that. If you're interested in serving on the committee or if you have any material you'd like to submit for the committee's consideration, uh, please uh, reach out to myself and, and let me know what, uh, uh, what you'd like to contribute to that project. Uh, on our ongoing prayer list, we keep praying for Marie Meyer, uh, the sister of Grace Schreier, who's dealing with cancer. Um, she's a member of our sister congregation over in Red Wing. Uh, Lord be with Marie and give her strength. We also pray for Lori Bren, uh, who's Carla Olmanson's sister, uh, dealing with brain cancer and treatments. Uh, pray the Lord would be with and bless Lori as well. Now this brings us to our doctrine of the day today. We've been going through this 1 Corinthians 15 study, taking a look at uh, kind of chunk by chunk what's known as the resurrection chapter. Uh, Pastor Radical, would you like to introduce today's section for us? You bet. Last week we talked about the first nine verses in conjunction with the resurrection appearances and the number of witnesses, their boldness in speaking of the death and resurrection of Christ, and then the power of signs and wonders that accompanied that apostolic witness as well. Today, we're looking at more of the second section. Again, this is what we are basing off that Easter sunrise bulletin that Pastor Nauman put together. We're looking at verses 10 through 19. I'm entitling this the resurrection logic. So Paul gets into the logical argument of what if Christ did not rise from the dead? And so in those verses there, if you were to open that and that section for verse 15 in front of you, you can see he starts by giving this illustration in verse 10 about God bringing him to faith, Christ bringing him to faith. And he uses this word vain, which he uses in this section as well. This whole idea that the Lord has brought him to faith, this grace that the Lord showed to Paul, even though he was persecuting the church, his point was that, was this grace that he was given in vain? If Christ is not risen from the dead, what hope would Paul have if he was not going to rise from the dead? And so he leads from that into that. How can some among the Christians, again, you can see already the doctrinal struggles they had there. We mentioned a moment ago about the Sadducees struggling with this, but those early Christians also struggled with Christ's resurrection. How, how could some say among the congregation of Corinth, 
that there is no resurrection from the dead. How could, how could you do that? And so Paul goes on with this argument, and he makes the point in verse 16, this logical, conditional sentence. Verse 16, if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. We learned in, in Sem, way, way back, right, where that whole idea of those if-then statements, if it is raining, the sidewalk will be wet. This first-class conditional sentence. And it's like, what I love about those conditional sentences, it's, it's like almost a mathematical equation. You maybe think of geometry where you have the theorems and proofs. And this idea is this logical argument. If you're saying that the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen from the dead. If you're saying that Christ is not risen from the dead, then the dead do not rise. And so the whole point that he's trying to make there in these if-then statements is that our faith is in vain if there's no resurrection from the dead. Going back to his grace, what grace would we have in Christ if he's paid for our sins, but we remain dead forever? What difference does it make if Christ died for our sins, if we don't rise from the dead? And so I like his powerful, logical argument here, where he makes this stand of, if this conditional sentence, if Christ really is not risen from the dead, you really also will not rise. And then what hope do you have? And we will be totally pitied. Now, some of the arguments that people make against this pastor nomin is that, well, if it's by faith, what does logic have to do with our faith? How do you respond to that kind of comment or anything that I've said here? I look to John chapter one, which I already referenced in the devotion today. And, and there in John one, Jesus is called the Lugus. And that's where we get the word logic. Um, in the beginning was the word, the Lugus, and the word was with God and the word was God. You know, one of the most powerful tools God gave to human beings is spoken and written word. Um, it's been said, if you can, if you can write well, if you can read well, you know, you're, you're that much, you, you can pretty much do anything. If you can read and write, you can use your logic and reason to uh, uh, accomplish almost anything you want to uh, in this world. Uh, and that's why, you know, English is such an, and, and reading and writing abilities are so important. If you're unable to write, unable to read, if you're illiterate, uh, there's, many challenges that come up in your life. So when Christ is called the word, you know, the word is such a powerful tool for human beings, but it's even more powerful when it's God's word. You know, it's almost like a lesser to greater thing. Um, God uses the word to create all, all there is in uh, uh, the word is with God and the word was God. All things were made through him without him. Nothing was made that was made. The word of God is what created everything that there is. And Jesus is called the word. Um, and, you know, you and I, human beings, we have the ability to to speak things into being in an essence. When I set my mind towards something and I set a goal and I say with my words, I want to accomplish this, we can do that to an extent. But again, we're sinful human beings and we can only accomplish so much. But when God says, this is my goal and this is what I'm going to accomplish, and that includes obviously the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, it's it's the luggage of God does what God wants. And, and it reminds me of Isaiah 55. Uh, so shall my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. It shall accomplish the purpose for which I send it shall not return to me void, uh, but shall accomplish what I please. It's God's God's us, his will, which is Jesus Christ does what he wants to do. And so, uh, you know, that word logic, that, that, that word word uh, that we, that we find in John chapter one um, is not something that's, contrary to God, rather it is uh, uh, complementary to God and to his work. And so, you know, Martin Luther wrote the book, The, the Bondage of the Will. And part of that 
concept there is is binding your will to and subjection to God's word. But that doesn't mean that that will and that reason and that science and that logic is contrary to God's will, uh, contrary to God's word. It simply means that it's complementary and that it, it it in so many ways. God gave us our reason and our logic so that we can go through scripture and see just how uh, amazing and blessed and joyous we can and should be because of the work of Christ and the fact that he is risen from the dead. And because of that, now we can, through our reason and logic, rejoice in the fact that eternal life has been given to us, Um, not because we reasoned and logic our way there and now have some secret knowledge that gets us to heaven, but because of the gift that God has given to us. Now we're able to use that word, which God has given to us and now share that lugus with others. We're now to share that logic, that lugus, that the ability to speak God's word, which is so much more powerful than man's word. And that's exactly what Paul is doing here in first Corinthians 15, when he, he shares this uh, uh, hope, this joy that indeed Christ is risen from the dead. I love that you said that that's complimentary Logic is complementary to God's word and science. The Lord's blessed us with these things. Uh, everything you said it just reminds me of this whole case and point that Paul's making in 1 Corinthians 15. It starts out with like the judicial, here's, here's the eyewitnesses. If we're going to take this to court, here's the eyewitness proof. Here's the logical proof of those high thinkers, you know, those Epicureans, as we talked about in Acts, you know, with that whole, the logical thinkers, here's a section for you. And as we get into the next three sections, they all are these arguments for of why we should believe and trust that Christ really did rise from the dead, what that, how that impacts our faith. So I really appreciate the way you said that. As far as, I don't know, did you have any other comments on that section? As far as closing things down then here, I thought it would be nice. We, we thought we would look at hymn 206, it's a longer Easter hymn, Jesus Christ, my sure defense. And that's what Paul's doing here in this first Corinthians 15 is that apologetics, giving a defense for the faith, the confident faith that he has. So I'd like to read verses one through three and verse 10 of hymn 206. Jesus Christ, my sure defense and my savior ever liveth. Knowing this, my confidence rests upon the hope it giveth. Though the night of death be fraught, still with many an anxious thought. Jesus, my Redeemer, lives. I, too, unto life shall waken. Endless joy my Savior gives. Shall my courage then be shaken? Shall I fear? Or could the head rise and leave his members dead? Nay, too closely am I bound unto him by hope forever. Faith's strong hand the rock hath found grasped it and will leave it never even death now cannot part from its lord the trusting heart oh then draw away your hearts now from pleasures base and hollow there to share what he imparts here his footsteps ye must follow fix your hearts beyond the skies whither ye yourselves would rise amen amen Thank you for joining us on the Twin Steeples podcast today. Twin Steeples is, again, a production of Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church in Mankato, Minnesota. Until next time, may God bless and keep you. And may you always remember, Emmanuel, God is with you.